Clive Holland Show with Tradeify, the job management software to help get your business on track. Make a life, not just a living. Try the free 14-day trial. Download the Tradeify app today. Hey, podcasters. It's me, Clive Holland, from the Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. I would love you to tune in and catch me doing my thing Monday through Thursday, 2 till 4pm on the planet's only radio station for builders, Fix Radio. On this week's podcast, it was yet another busy week, starting with the quality of new builds and their issues and problems with snagging, with new homes quality control, and also making sure we help the vulnerable where we can as winter approaches. I also went on to ask, who is the laziest trade? And who likes to try and go home early? Where it's fair to say, the Sparkies took a right battering. I also discussed a recent study from the NFB who asked if the CITB are fit for purpose to train our trades. All in all then, another packed blooming podcast. Enjoy. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. You're listening to the Clive Holland Show with me, Clive Holland, and today we're talking all about new build homes and the problems that come with them and what the big companies and tradespeople that work on them can do to raise the standards. Now, we've seen loads of stories circulating recently about the quality of new builds not being great, even to the point there's a TikTok account now dedicated to it, massing over 330,000 followers as they inspect new build properties for their issues. And the man behind that account and the new home quality control company, John Cooper, joins us on the line right now. John, first of all, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, what are the repeat problems we're seeing with new build properties? Where, where would you like me to start? There's, there's so many of these issues uh, on a daily basis. Uh, one particular one that sort of um, brings to mind that's quite severe is the fake wheat vent issue. I'm sure that anybody that's looked at our TikTok account will see numerous videos of these fake wheat vents. Um, what these are, these are vents in between the brick perps that allow moisture to leave the building and obviously let the cavity breathe. <coughs> What's happened is bricklayers have missed these wheat vents and because they've been pulled upon it by site managers and warranty providers, bricklayers have gone back, scratched out a little bit of mortar, cut the wheat vent down and just poked it in and made it look like it's there. Yeah, that's been an ongoing thing for some time now as well, hasn't it? I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I called... We, we identify I, this. You know, we identify this regular and, you know, we, we put it on TikTok, we put it on all our social media. Everybody in the country now is aware of it. Everybody that we speak to is aware of it. Site managers are aware of it, but yet they don't. Um, rectify these issues. Now, when we spoke to you last time, you said it was really bad then. Has it got any better, do you think, or, or has it just got worse? Just got worse. I mean, it, it doesn't get better daily for us. Every day, we have inspectors out across the country that uh, identify serious issues. It's, it's, it's becoming ridiculous nowadays. What do you think is causing these issues, though, to happen as frequently as they are? Are, are, are we saying that the, the tradespeople working on these sites and also the, the big house builders as well, are just ignoring the protocol. Uh, and, and that you know, I mean, really, they should be building homes that they could live in. I think it's just lack of knowledge for the tradesmen, if I'm honest. I mean, you know, these, these tradespeople know the process of how to do things, but they just don't know how to do them properly. And that goes for site managers as well. A site manager of all these big developers, you know, they know the process, how to build a house. However, they just don't know how to do it correctly. A lot of these site managers anyway are fresh out of uni. 
So, they, so they've had no no uh, site experience simply because if, if they did have and, and they've got a few years behind them, these companies know they'd have to pay them a lot more. And so, therefore, they get dominated by the people that are working on site anyway. And, of course, the site the site owners, that's in my opinion. You're exactly right with what you're saying. Um, a lot of them are young people who haven't got the experience. And, and, you know, they come straight out of uni, like you say. And there's nothing better than on-site experience. In, in this case, what should tradespeople that are working on sites now be looking to try and do better? Or pick people up on now. This is this is a tricky one simply because, for for me personally, if you're a tradesperson and you and you could just do with the work, you need the work, and you're working on some of these sites that you know that the protocol isn't being kept. Um, you, you're sort of caught between a rock and a hard place. I I just think that all these tradespeople have to have more pride in their work um, because look, everybody's taught the same way, so everybody knows how to do things. It's just having that pride in your work. I mean, me personally, I couldn't leave something that's not quite right. But, you know, these, these people are doing it. So I agree with you. But the thing is, it, it's, it, we say this, right? And, and, and the one thing is, I mean, I've tried to interview people who are right at the top because they're the people who make the decisions, right? Who think, you know, okay, we'll brush that to one side. The same with the, the building councils, the same with your local building control officers, all that sort of thing. I think in general, again, my personal opinion, standards have slipped to allow this sort of thing to happen. Yeah, and look, we, we can go over this every couple of minutes, and I think we always end up at the same answer, to be honest. It's, it's lack of knowledge, lack of care, and I don't think that any of these builds and, and any of these site managers are going to get any better whilst they've got the trades beneath them building things, just doing things and, and, and what they want to do without a care in the world whilst they're doing it. It's interesting. And, of course, your workload is just growing and growing and growing, but something has to be done about it. We are extremely, extremely busy. And, it, you know, what? It, it, it doesn't stop. It's, every day is, is an increase. Every month is an increase. So, yeah, it, you know, for us, it's great. But, you know, is, is that the right thing to say about it? I mean, at the end of the day, these houses need to be getting better. These trades need to be getting better. Site managers need to be taking more care whilst building these houses. Because um, inevitably, you know, my, my company and my business, it, it's booming right now. And I'm trying my best to identify these issues to make these site managers stand up and be counted along with these trades people. You know, we do the TikTok videos. We do our Instagram videos. It's to give people an insight of, of, of what they're buying. And I, I feel sorry for, for these new homeowners. A lot of these new homeowners are young people. Saved up for years on end to get deposits. They get a deposit. They don't know what they're looking at when they buy the property. We arrive. We identify all these really poor issues. You know, and we've even had people crying to us whilst we're at the property. And, you know, that's not what I want to see. I want to see people shaking my hand and saying, thanks for coming. You know, I, I'm happy that we've got a great house. But unfortunately, you know, that, that, that hasn't happened in the four years we've been going. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, the, I've been there myself, you know, the, the tears for these people, especially those that have bought off plan before the houses have even been built. Um, they now realise that it's that it's actually become uh, a weight around their neck. Uh, John, listen, thank you so much for being on the Clive Fallon Show once again. Uh, very important to get your side of things here where you're doing your best to try and raise these issues and 
hopefully get those standards back up again. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks. It's been my pleasure. Thanks very much. That's uh, John Cooper there uh, from New Home Quality Control. Fix Radio, made for the trade. You're listening to The Clive Holland Show with me, Clive Holland. And today... We're talking all about the quality of new build properties and the snagging list that all too often comes with them. But what more can we do as tradespeople to stop the rise in poor quality workmanship continuing? Now, our next guest uh, put the spotlight on this very subject in his TV show. Uh, this is a TV personality and builder, Pete Finn. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, firstly, why do you think we see so much poor quality on the new build sites these days? How we doing, Clive? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough one. Um, look, no tradesman goes to work and and, and uh, you know wants to walk away leaving bad work behind him. But I think what basically the the problem really is is down to uh, the fact that most most guys are on on price and uh, are probably pushing too quick, too hard, too fast to to, to try and get the work done. Um, and they're, and they're just blasting through too many too many. You know, numbers of of, of work uh, items in a day, and I'm just not leaving enough care. And I suppose when you're when you're working on the big sites, the housing estates, and and stuff like that, it's uh, you know, just get in, get the job done, and the trade behind you comes comes along as well. So it's it's a, it's a, it's kind of a conundrum that's always been there, and and something that's never really been solved properly. And I really do think that uh, it's down to the developers to start trying to maybe giving the, the tradespeople a bit more time and, and obviously a slightly higher rate to uh, to allow them to, to get to work on at, at that uh, higher level, you know? Well, chances of that are a lot slimmer than me, I'm going to tell you that now, because they <laughs> they want they want maximum output all the time. Uh, I mean, to create yeah. this you know, profit for shareholders and everything else, in my opinion, that's exactly what happens. But if you're a tradesperson worth his soul or her soul, uh, and you pride yourself on the on the work that you carry out. Surely you're not going to want to put your name to that. Yeah, that, that's the tr- truth of it. Like, I mean, nobody wants to be uh, connected to uh, to a situation where work is, is is not being done to the right quality. And, and absolutely, nobody wants to buy a, a home and the first thing they've got to do is start correcting pieces of, of work in in the house that, that haven't been completed properly. So the snag lists are quite extensive when uh, when people buy homes these days. And I, I get quite a lot of calls off people asking me to come in and literally fix up a house that they've just bought, which is a, it's a crazy situation, you know? So um, I, I think I think maybe, you know, there has to be a bit of thought put into the type of materials that are used as well. Um, and, and just try and, try and make the situation a bit easier for everybody involved to make sure that the, the, uh, the, the maintenance that goes, uh, that you're, you're, you're going to have when you buy the home is, is less. Because look, there is some seriously good tradespeople out there. We all know that. And why accept, uh, the, you know, the, the bish bash bosh kind of stuff that can be done on, on, on the big sites. We, we need we need to just be able to put a foot down and, and, and say, listen, this is the level level of finish that I ex- expect and I'm, I'm not going to accept anything less, you know? So as you suggest there, Pete, you fix up a lot of these places in your programme Home Rescue. Yes. Do you see a lot of rushed jobs there as well where people maybe are, or it could be, that some of them are unqualified to actually carry out the works. Yeah, you get a you get you get a mix. Um, a lot of the time, the, the work that we do, there wouldn't be brand new homes. They're they're usually uh, you know homes that people have been living in for a while. But um, yeah, look, it's it's uh, we're we're living in a, we're living in strange times in terms of uh, there's a there's, there's such a demand for housing, um, but we don't seem to have the resources in terms of we don't have the the, the qualified tradespeople to get to, to get the, the amount of of houses finished. And onto the market. So what you've got is you've got people that are, are 
representing themselves in the wrong way. They're, they're saying that they're carpenters or they're saying that they're plasterers or, or, or whatever trades it is. And, and they're, you know, the, the level of workmanship just isn't, isn't high enough. And it's simply because I don't think there's enough investment into actually getting people trained and, and, and attracting people to come to construction. I think there needs to be a drive for that. Construction is, is a brilliant industry to be involved in. Um, there's money to be made in it. And, you know, it's a very satisfying uh, lifestyle. So I, I think the governing agencies and the, the, you know, there needs to be more investment put in. I mean, there needs to be, construction needs to be made more attractive to young people these days because unfortunately we're not getting uh, people to come to uh, construction uh, as much as, as other uh, industries, you know, because, you know, unfortunately young, young people are, are, are going for the easier options and uh, going for college and, and, and different areas uh, for, for, for their work. So I, I think if we can, if we can come together as, as a, an industry and, and make construction uh, an attractive option for, for young people. I think we're going to increase the amount of people that we have in the industry and we're going to increase, obviously, the standard of work that we're, we're then turning over because there's a huge demand for housing. There's a housing crisis in pretty much every, every country across the globe and uh, we, need to, we need to address it properly. Do you think it needs more regulation or the powers that be should be able to trust tradespeople to take pride in their work? Or, or, or are they just under pressure now from these big corporations and big companies to say, look, just get it done or we'll find somebody that can? Yeah, look, again, you know, it's, it's supply and demand, but it's also about profitability. And, um, you know, some companies just push too hard and, and they, they, they think about the financial part of it rather than the quality. And, you know, that, that has to be uh, managed correctly. And I think... Again, uh, regulation, there's no doubt about it. At, at the moment, we, we do have pretty good regulation in terms of sign-off when it comes to mechanical and electrical uh, and that type of thing. But I think, you know, the, the old uh, clack of works um, aspect needs to be brought back in again. And I think the standard needs to be, to be raised because, you know, when people are, are paying good money, they, they deserve to be, to be, you know, given a, a, a good quality uh, workmanship. But to do that, you have to have the people to do it and you have to have uh, uh, finances in place to do it. So it's, it's, a, it's certainly a tricky, uh, it's a tricky aspect of the, of the industry at the moment. And something has to be done because the demand is there. People want to buy houses. People, people need homes. And it's about uh, making sure that we, we, we deliver it in, in, the, in the right way, you know. And at the moment, we're just not getting it right. Exactly. It should be a, a real highlight of your, of your life when you're buying a house. Uh, but sadly, that's yeah. not always the case when you're buying a new one. Uh, Pete, listen, it's been great having you on the Clive Follin Show. Thank you so much uh, for all the information you've handed over to us. Uh, and uh, please enjoy the rest of your day, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Cheers, Lloyd. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. Pleasure. That's Pete Finn there, uh, TV personality and builder. The Clive Holland Show on Fixed Radio. You're listening to Clive Holland on The Clive Holland Show. Today we're talking about new build quality. Oh, yeah. Have standards slipped over the recent past even further? Do you think it's all about speed to create maximum profit for the shareholders rather than building a home fit to live in? Got a really good friend of the show on the phone right now. It's Dave Finnegan, a.k.a. Elwood Enterprises. Dave, thanks for joining us on the Clive Fullen Show. You got any stories about a new build? Yeah, I've got a few about a new build. <laughs> jobs. I mean, obviously, as I've worked through my career, um, started up as a, you know, a one-man band carpenter and joiner going through things i did get lots of opportunities to go and work on some new build sites i've worked for some big companies and um it's something that i completely try and stay away from 100 percent now because i think it's, it's genuinely down to speed that they're looking for jobs to be done rather than the quality of the building that's something that i like to steer well clear of. yeah you don't want to put your name to anything like that but do you, would you understand dave 
right, that somebody that needs the work. So my, all, all I'm just going to play is devil's advocate here, right, is somebody that needs the work comes to the site and yet he knows or she knows that what they're being asked to do is is not what they would normally do to their standard and yet because they need to put bread on the table, they're going to do it. Do you think that's possible or do you think that people would, would say, no way? Yeah, I think I'm a bit more sceptical than that. I think the majority of the people that, that go and hunt these jobs out with these um, with these new home builders are people that aren't probably good enough to make it in the domestic scene where the customer's eye is going to be on you permanently. Um, or sometimes it's a case that they know that they, they're just doing it to try and make as much money in a smaller time as possible. I mean, there's lots of like, these TikTok pages and stuff breaking out now where people are like showcasing you know, X amount of money to lay a brick and we lay this many bricks in a day and I can make £400 a day or this amount of money to, to hang a door and, I, you know, I'm, I'm throwing 20 doors into the frame. And it's it's just for me, it seems like there's no pride in the work um, on, on what they're doing on a lot of these big new builds. But, um, don't get me wrong, I'm not criticising everyone. I'm sure there are some fantastic tradesmen that are working their way through them. But I think there seems to be a growing trend of people that are using these new build sites and they're, poor checking system and their you know their poor assessment of what is a quality job and not to, to actually make a lot of money in a very short amount of time and then just simply pack up the tools and move on to somewhere else with no repercussions you make a really good point there dave to be fair um you know you just like to think that the the actual company's directors would would be looking at this and going do you know what we're fed up of taking the stick we're fed up of you know there must be it must be costing them a fortune putting some of these jobs right why don't they get it right in the first place by employing good quality tradespeople? to be honest with you it actually comes all the way from the top in these in these you know new build sites and stuff i think the site managers and the project managers are qualified but not in the days where it used to be, where it was a guy who worked his way all the way through the trades in his career, got 50 years old and then took a site manager's job. You've got people fresh out of uni now with a degree that are walking into these sites and taking positions of power. So they are either, you know, misled by the tradespeople that are on sites or they just genuinely don't know what to look for in a, in a quality construction worker compared to uh, a bit of a cowboy yeah that's interesting because i always used to say you know when people used to come along and say oh, i've got 20 years experience in this it was normally one year's experience that was allowed to get 20 years old and and th- there is that very difference where people just are not experienced enough and haven't gone through the proper training to do the job properly definitely i mean the standards on, on the sites are just completely fell through the floor i mean i remember back in the day where you used to you know once a, a concrete pad had been laid you couldn't go on it for six weeks no one was allowed near it for six weeks, and they're on it the next day. Because we've got these super drying compounds now and everything else as well, which which ain't great because it forces it to crack up when it dries too quick. Uh, Dave, listen, always great to have you on the show. You know that, and uh, you've always you've always got some really good uh, information for us. Uh, tell us where you are today, what you're up to. Uh, working locally in Birmingham today, just wrapping up um, one of our renovation jobs that's coming to coming to an end. We've uh, got the carpet fitters in tomorrow, so it's all hands to the pump today to uh, to get it finished. But yeah, that's, uh, that's where we are today. Top man. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. Have a great rest of the day. Brilliant. Cheers, Clark. That's Dave Finnegan there, a.k.a. Elwood Enterprises. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. You're listening to The Clive Holland Show with me, Clive Holland, and today we're focusing on new-build houses and the problems that come with them in terms of snagging and the biggest problems that arise because of the poor standards of constructing them in the first place. Now, something our next guest is an expert at as we're joined by Keith Reed, 
Director of Home Snagging UK. Keith, thank you for joining us on the Clive Holland Show. Uh, now, have you seen snagging lists become more of a problem over the last few years in terms of new builds? Yeah, definitely. I think as the quality of the house has gone down, people are more and more likely to employ a snagging company. Yeah, there's so many now have cropped up. I mean, it's a, it's a whole new uh, industry, isn't it? On the snagging side of things, snagging lawyers and whatever else all over the place. What are the more common problems that you see, Keith? Generally speaking, it's the quality of the finishes. As people walk around the new build properties, they see bad plastering, bad painting, bad joinery, uh, bad brickwork, and it just sets alarm bells ringing, and then they want to investigate it further. Uh, the people they turn to is, uh, is snagging companies. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've just mentioned just about everything there of the of the actual build itself. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I'm laughing, but it's no laughing matter when you've bought one of these things because it just ends in tears. I mean, how do you go about rectifying these problems, though? Somebody calls you in, do you then approach the actual building company or do you just uh, do the repairs on behalf of the owner? Generally speaking, the snagging company is employed by a purchaser. Uh, we'll go and snag the house and then with the report, they will hand it to the house builder. Now, it varies significantly on what the house builder does with it. Some of the not-so-good builders, they'll try and fight it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder if they ever stop and realise just how much trauma they're causing to these people that have um, spent a fortune on or, or, or have got massive mortgages now around their necks, uh, whether they even care in the first place. Um what is the hardest issue to fix, though? So when somebody comes to you and you look at a job, you think, wow, what, what is the toughest of the lot? The hardest thing to fix with a new build-out is the bad site management. Because if they're just reluctant or unwilling, you've got a right fight on your hands. If they do yeah. it wrong in the first place, they're unlikely to accept responsibility and want to put it right. You know, having been a site manager myself, working for some of the bigger builders, uh, you take it personally, and that's what I think people have got to look beyond. There's lots of people going to building house, uh, including the warranty providers, NHBC being the biggest. If you get a combination of a, a site manager that's not so keen, and let's say a slack NHBC inspector, uh, the house can be very bad. If nobody's checking these things, It'll just run away with itself. As it seems to be doing, the problem seems to be on the increase. Um, Keith, thank you so much for joining us on the Clive Follard Show. Um, I'd like to say, you know, good luck with your business going forward. You know, there's so many more. But it would be great if you didn't have so many jobs and people were actually addressing this problem, those that build these homes in the first place. But seriously, thank you for being on the show, mate, and enjoy the rest of your day. You too. Thank you very much. That's Keith Reid there, Director of Home Snagging UK. And it seems to me like he's got a full order book. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. You're listening to Clive Holland on the Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. And today we're talking about helping the vulnerable this winter. Do you go that extra mile in helping those less able? Do you ever highlight problems like lack of heating or proper ventilation when you go into a customer's home? Perhaps there's a nasty-looking damp problem, which, if left untreated, could become very costly in the long term or hazardous to their health. 
uh, would you point out this kind of thing and would you offer to help even though it's not a job you were actually going in there for now we got a superstar on the line right now uh, he actually does his own show right here on fix the plumbing and heating show uh, every Wednesday uh, he's to one till two one till two so check that out put it in your diary and and it's the most famous uh, plumbing and heating engineer in the world it's Andy Cam Andy how are you son I'm good Clive how are you mate yeah good really good yeah, good. I'm good, mate. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, look, when you go into people's house, uh, property, right, um, you're a, a very affable fella, right? So when you go into somebody's property, and maybe they're a little bit elderly or or, or, or maybe they're, they're having to um, cut costs and maybe the house is a little bit cold, is it something that you would mention to them? Or, or is it something that you just think, oh, I'm just going to do my job, get in, get out? No, it's very difficult because sometimes a lot of the elderly people, you do, they don't even get anybody else to come into the houses. You're possibly the only person they're going to see that week. Um, so I always spend a little time, you know, just trying to talk to them about um, how they're feeling and, and that kind of stuff. Also, like you said, if you mention something like, I don't know, maybe they've got um, damp coming in through the windows or, you know, above the window and you have a look and it's full of leaves, you know, you might say, so look, you'd be better off doing that now rather than, you know, waiting for it to be, you know, coming through the, the wall and costing you a fortune. So, yeah, I mean, try and just keep keep your eye out for them and just look at, you know, just look out for them and just talk to them. Like, you know, they're, they're somebody's nan, somebody's grandma, somebody's sister. You know, at the end of the day, I just like to look after people like I would like people to look after, you know, my nan. So so when you, you, you really think it's uh, important, and so do I, that you're just there not only to do a job for them if they've called you in or whatever, but to just make them feel at ease and just have a quick, you know, a bit of a chat with them. Just, just you know, because you say they're probably, you're the only person they'll see that week or even that month. Yeah, it's difficult because, um, like you said, you don't, you know, a lot of people want to be straight in, do the job and get out. I mean, and I get that. And some people aren't really chatty people. But I think, like you said earlier, it's, um, you might be the only person that they talk to. And it's, and it's nice just to have a little chat with them, put them at ease, tell them what you're going to do, um, explain the costs and that kind of stuff. What I try and do, if I'm just doing a little job for an older person, you know, I look around and think, oh, I haven't even got any money. Um, instead of doing things for free, because I've done things for free in the past, um, then they don't ring you up again because they feel like they're a burden on you because you've done it for free. What I usually do is just charge them like a token price of £5 or something like that. I just say, oh, give them the £5. They feel like they've contributed. And, you know, they'll bring you up again then to help them out. So, yeah, you've got to look after them. I think it's a great idea, actually, especially during winter time. Uh, when they're feeling not only vulnerable, but they're also feeling the cold, I would guess, uh, uh, along the way. Um, Andy, uh, bef- before you go, uh, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, just tell us a little bit about your show uh, on every Wednesday. Give us a bit of background on that. Well, then, yeah, I've been doing it nearly two years now. It's the Plumbing and Heating Show with me, Andy Cam. I love plumbing, as you know. Um, so, yeah, I've got lots of different people on there. We talk to loads of different people about loads of different things. It's all to do with plumbing. So if you're into the plumbing, give us a listen at one. Every Wednesday. And, of course, you are, you know, out and about doing your plumbing as well. Are you, is, uh, you got any plans this week? Are you out and about today? Yeah, I'm just actually fitting a kitchen, to be honest, in a house. Um, yeah, so we're just renovating the house. So it's plumbing, but also a bit of building work as well, knocking a couple of walls down, plasterboarding, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, been busy. Good lad. Andy, thank you so much for being on the Clive Follin Show. Enjoy the rest of your day, son. Thank you very much, Clive. I shall see you soon. Thank you, mate. That's Andy Cam there, the host of the Plumbing and Heating Show, as I say, every Wednesday, 1 till 2. Check him out. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. You're listening to the Clive Holland Show with me, Clive Holland. Now, with winter feeling like it's already upon us, really chilly, 
we usually find ourselves doing more to ensure that our more vulnerable customers are looked after, whether that may be discounting their bill or even making sure they're not feeling lonely. The signs are often there. Now, joining us now uh, to have a chat about just that and what advice we can give people to help them even more is none other than footballing ledge and the man behind the stairs leading up to the bedrooms. It's Mr. Dion Dublin. Dion, thanks for joining us. How are you? Stairs leading to the bedrooms. Well done, mate. Well done. <laughs> I love that. Hey, we oh, love you. We love you, Dion. You know that. Now, um, oh, how important is it for us to be looking out for vulnerable people this winter? You know, it, it's 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 always it's always uh, it's always important for us to be, to be looking out for the vulnerable people. You know, I've, I've teamed up with Thames Water. Um, campaign called Winter Ready. It's basically getting your house uh, ready for winter and making sure that all the drafts and the radiators are working and the, the curtains are closed at the right time and uh, your, 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 your pipes have been lagged. Um, all that kind of stuff. Just preparing, really, and putting measures in place before you get too cold or a water pipe bursts or you get you know an unwanted bill because you haven't done something that you should have done. So, yeah, just, just trying to help people um, prepare themselves, really. I reckon that's a top campaign because I just don't think enough people know about it. Um, and and yeah. winter is a yeah. tough time of year for the vulnerable. We all know that. Are there ways, though, that they can help themselves? Yeah, listen, I just I just said, you know, lagging your pipes. What that is, it's basically putting a foam bit of tube around your, uh, around your pipes that will, you know, help them keep the warming, help them from bursting and, and, and help you um, not to spend too much money because it will keep the heat in the house longer. You know, silly things uh, like checking your gutters. If your gutters are clogged up with leaves, they are going to leak and that water's got to go somewhere. It's either going to go down the outside of your house and find its way in or get straight into the house. That's going to cost you money as well. So doing things like cleaning your gutters out, um, dripping taps, People think a dripping tap, oh, it's fine. It's only a bit of water. You're losing a litre of water a day uh, from a dripping tap. So little bits and bobs. Checking your boiler is one of the biggest ones. Make sure that your boiler's working well. That should be checked at least once a year. Uh, find out where your stop tap is as well, because you've got a leak. You need to stop your taps, uh, uh, stop your water from running, because that could really be a problem if you're allowing water to, to pour through the house. You need to know where to stop that water coming in. So yeah, it's little bits and bobs. Everything you need to know is, is at thameswater.co.uk forward slash winter, but just little hints and tips that will save you a few quid as well. Well, I think it's really important. And, and obviously in your job with Homes Under the Hammer, you see many people buying and renovating homes and stuff. Um, is winter proofing yeah. though something that is not necessarily uppermost in people's minds? Well, it should be really, you know, if you're a landlord... Uh, if you're renting a house or you're selling a house, it should be uh, at the forefront of your mind, making sure that all those measures have been put in place without a doubt. You want the house to be um, uh, to be watertight and winterproof um, and, and safe for anybody yeah. that lives in that house. So yeah, it is, uh, it is and should be at the forefront of anybody involved in property without a doubt. I think, you know, if, if you were to take a thermal image of, of a property these days, certainly one, you know, 70s and before built, uh, I think you'd be shocked at just how much heat and that sort of thing you, you're losing. 
Um, yeah, you, you'll just you'll find you'll find you'll just find heat just pouring out of areas that you thought were okay. You know, you find yourself sometimes uh, putting the heat on, and you think I'm not getting any warmer. It's maybe yeah. because you know the, the the insulation's not great in the loft. Maybe you know I've not long um, in, in one in, in one of the houses that I, I, I lent out. I've just put some insulation in the loft, nice thick uh, insulation. Uh, and it's keeping their bills down and they're a lot happier with the warmth uh, of the house now. And it's just putting a bit of insulation in the house, not expensive, not overly expensive, but it's something if you do that, turn the heating down a bit because you're, you're keeping the heat inside the house. One, one, impo one important point, if I can, yeah. uh, in regards to uh, the Thames water um, campaign, uh, getting the house winter ready, look out for people within your community that maybe cannot do this for themselves. The elderly, the vulnerable, look out for them in and around your area. If you have to knock on a door, knock on a door. If you have to make a phone call, make a phone call, but make sure that people within your area are okay, warm, safe and well this winter. Yeah, indeed. Just something as simple as that, Dion, is important. Now, finally, I've got one final question for you. Someone else who could do with a bit of help this winter is one of your old teams. In terms of United, I remember seeing you when you made your debut uh, at United and you scored on your debut. Um, what do you think of them this season? I mean, they've got all that talent. Uh, do you fear for Solskjaer? I don't fear for Oli. No, I don't fear for his job. I think he'll be okay this season. I think they've, uh, when I say gone too far, what I mean is they, they, they're backed him. They're backed him with money. They're backed him with signings. And I, and I, and I just believe that they'll be okay. Um, they'll be top four. Uh, they, they just need, uh, they need trophies. They need a, a better brand of football. The fans are a little bit impatient with what they're seeing. Sometimes you see great stuff. Sometimes you see great goals. Uh, at the moment, in order to get over the line, we're relying on, uh, one of the best in the world to do it all the time for us. I think there's other players that just need to stand up and be counted and contribute uh, to, to, to a winning mentality. Yeah, Pogba maybe for one, uh, even though he has got the most assists this season, I, I, I did see. Uh, uh, Dion, yeah. it's always great talking to you, mate. Thank you so much uh, for being on the Clive Fullen Show. No problem at all, guys. Thank you so much yourselves. Cheers. That's Dion Dublin there, the legend himself. Fix Radio, made for the trade. You're listening to Clive Holland on the Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. And today, uh, it's a very important subject, this. It's helping the vulnerable this winter. On the line right now, we've got James Wilkin, good f James Wilkins, good friend of the show, a.k.a. Wimbledon Electrician. Uh, James, thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, do you ever get into a situation like that where somebody's called you in to do a job and then all of a sudden you think to yourself, whoa, it's freezing in here, or, or or maybe they just don't look very well. Uh, yeah, we've been to we've been to jobs like that before where someone's been in the property for, well, the thing is, a lot of the older people, they've lived in that property for like 20, 30 years, raised their families there, so quite reluctant to leave, and as you get older, money gets a bit tighter to be able to carry out home renovations. But no, I've just been called out to where they've had high ceilings where, the, uh, they've got downlights as well, and they've been putting step ladders onto a dining table, oh. uh, and then climbing on that to then change light bulbs. And I was like, "Oh, that just sort of got me all panicked." So I was like, "No, no, no, no. We're going to upgrade these to LED, and call me if there's anything that needs doing." But sometimes I get called, and it's literally just replacing a a lamp, and I've just gone, don't worry about it. Or I'll sit down and have a cup of tea or coffee with them. 
Maybe we just have a little chat sometimes. It's nice just to have a chat half now, and I'm not going to charge him. Changing a light bulb. There's no skin off my teeth for that. That makes me feel good. Yeah, and do you know what? That's that's such a nice thing. You know, it's just because, and what a great idea as well. Having said that, somebody that's risk averse to putting a, a step ladder on a table, uh, that's definitely of a generation, that is, uh, to try and change a light bulb. Uh, but of course, with LEDs now, you get what about some of them you get about 30,000 hours out of. So uh, that means it wouldn't need to be changed for some time. But it's an interesting thing that is because like you say as well, I'm just a, a little chat with them because maybe they could, you could be that one person that they see that week or that fortnight or whatever. Uh, and it just cheer them up in general. Uh, they like to talk about family as well. So it's nice to sort of talk about their family and this and, yeah, no, I've I've been called back a few times by these people that have come and seen and know, and they're like, oh yeah, and this and my daughter's having a wonderful time over it. Like, that sounds great, and we've been using them like some of these clients for like eight years now. So I'll pop in and oh look, they've grown and yeah, so it's, it is. It's sort of they sometimes you just need a chat because they don't, you don't get out as much, and especially over the pandemic and everything. You've got no one to talk to, and most of these people aren't going to be on social media or in the metaverse or whatever it's going to be called now on Facebook. But, you know, they still need people. They still need contact. Indeed. I mean, you know, what you just said actually warms your heart, mate. It's, a, it's a, you know, very good of you. And, and, and uh, obviously trades like yourself who do look out for people that are, you know, maybe just that little bit more vulnerable than, than most. Uh, before you go, James, tell us what you're up to today um, and whereabouts you are. Uh, today we're second fixing a rewire over in Sutton, and um, then tomorrow we're going to be installing some fancy lighting up in Wimbledon Village. So, yeah, exciting couple of days. Keeping yourself busy as usual. It's always great having you on the show, James. Enjoy the rest of your day, sir, and thank you for being on the Clive Holland Show. You too, guys. Thank you very much. Bye. That's James Wilkins there, a.k.a. Wimbledon Electrician. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. You're listening to Clive Holland on the Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. And today we're talking about helping the vulnerable this winter. Uh, and on the line right now, we've got uh, good friend Zach from R&O Plumbing and Maintenance. Zach, do you ever find yourself in these sort of situations? Hi, Clive. Yeah, no, all the time. Um, so we work with uh, H Concern, who's a big partner of ours, and we carry out a lot of like emergency repairs and sort of call out for the elderly in particular through a sort of a trusted trader. Um, and we'll go into like a house nine or ten times and they're like elderly or disabled and they just need a bit more sort of like, you know, care and attention to a normal person. You know, I always try and go in pairs as well. It's important because just in case, you never know what sort of situation you walk into. Yeah, it's always tricky, I suppose. Um, especially, you know, who who knows also that that person isn't suffering mentally or whatever. Um, and, and they're just like, because they don't see anybody. Maybe when you you uh, guys come into their house, it, it brightens their day before you even carry out the work. Yeah. So most of the time we do get asked a lot of questions that are unrelated to the work. And what I try and do, I'll try and spend a bit more time on site. And I'll just say to them, look, you know, ask them questions, how long they've lived in the house, you know, um, if they've got any kids or anybody. And, you know, most importantly, before we actually, like, leave the property, we say, is there anything else you need help with? Like, do you need, do you need help with anything at all? And it could be even unrelated to plumbing and gas. But you say that if there's anything you need help with, we're here. That's our number. Just don't hesitate to call us. And we're on the other side of the line. It's very important you give them that sort of support, especially coming up to Christmas with um, people having Christmas dinners and, 
you know, being being alone for the elderly, it's very important you offer that sort of support to them. It's great. I mean, you know, we, we do know, uh, obviously, we, we understand when people just want to get in there, get the job done and get out so they can move on to the next job. But I think when it comes to the vulnerable and the elderly and, and, and those that are infirm, uh, disabled, etc., are so important to just go that little extra mile because it means a whole heap to them and it makes them... Well, I would imagine it, it just makes their day so much so much nicer, full stop, that they've got somebody that they can chat with other than, obviously, you getting the job done. Uh, now, before you go, Zach, tell us where you are today, what you're up to. So I'm working in Victoria today um, on one of my local jobs, just carrying out a little plumbing repair. Good lad. Listen, it's always great having you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for being on the Cloth on the show, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too, guys. All the best. Uh, that's Zach there from R&O Plumbing and Maintenance. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. You're listening to the Clive Holland Show with me, Clive Holland, and today we're talking all about the current climate around apprenticeships and training up the next generation of tradespeople. This is off the back of the National Federation of Builders calling for reforming CITB's approach to make sure we can help our next generation gain the maximum from the training programme. Joining us on the line right now and to tell us a little bit more about it is the NFB's Head of Policy, James Butcher. James, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Clive Holland Show. Now, this blueprint outlines the proposed reconstruction of the CITB. What are the reasons you feel this is needed? Good afternoon, Clive, and thank you very much for having me. Um, NFB members, uh, and I think the construction industry per se, feel quite strongly about CITB. And I think the basis of that really is, of course, remembering that they they levy from the industry, they effectively take a tax, and then they spend it. And of course, in spending it, they have some strategic aims. And those are to ensure that we have a talent pool, that we have high quality training, uh, and effectively that we have the future workforce that we, that we need. Uh, and the reason that this paper has come about is because NFB members feel particularly that while we need a cross-industry approach, that what the CITB is currently doing is not meeting those needs. I mean, you'll be aware that we have the highest vacancy rate in construction that we've had for, well, I think ever, actually. And I saw that we surpassed the 2001 record the other day. Uh, CITB, are, to, to their credit, are very honest and report this information uh, in their annual reports. And, and uh, 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 sadly, only about, I think, one in five Members think that the talent pool is sufficient to meet industry's needs. Only about a third of employers think that the training they can access is what they need and in a timely timely manner. And so, and we've been calling for reform for, for some years. And I think we've got to the stage where actually it's not necessarily in the CITB's gift to deliver the reform that we want. And so we're calling for this fundamental restructuring and, and asking the government to take it seriously ahead of something what's called a uh, industry training board review that's due next year. And, and also in terms of the levy, um, why also do you think there's a need for reform on that? Well, I think the, the levy system is 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 frankly an, an, antiquated. And and the problem is is that this was obviously designed in the in the 1960s. And while things have evolved, they haven't fundamentally changed. The the levy is inefficient in its collection per se because of the, the information that members have to collect to then give to CITB. CITB then has to use that information to then collect it itself and it has to do all the all the auditing and, and chasing. And all of that information is already available to, 
to HMRC. And we see that the way that other levies like the apprenticeship levy are collected as a as a better model to, uh, to, to, to provide that collection. There's no need for money that should be spent on training to be spent on on collecting and administering the uh, the levy and then in our paper we we suggest so much reform that actually a lot of the things that CITB are doing now we say not sure you should be doing uh, certainly that's the view of our members and therefore that would mean a bit of a rolling back and then a fundamental change from levy would would follow from there. Now I, I guess you've spoken to uh, the CITB and 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 you got a response from them. What what, what sort of, what's their reaction been? I think to to be fair to the CITB that they we have been long in conversation and and they continue to engage with us on this. There are some things that they quite honestly say and they know that they can't change because it's it simply isn't in their gift. They're mandated to do this by by statute by law. So even if they wanted to to do it, and I'm not saying that they they do. I can't speak for them, of course. Um, but they they couldn't necessarily. I think they're committed to to working with us within the the system that we've we've currently got. They do hear our concerns, but with respect, I think our members believe that now is a time to take a step back and a wider view of how this whole system has been created and evolved over the years, and to take a fresh approach to it. And um, and and I'm sure they'll engage in that process. You know, as we as we kind of uh, debate this uh, more and more. Um, because they they are effectively accountable to to um, to our members in the construction industry more widely. Now, in the plan for reform, you touched on giving financial incentives through the government for apprenticeships and qualifications. Uh, how do you first of all suggest that's going to be done? And also, is have you ever looked into? We, we look at a certain age range for apprentices, and, and this is something I've I've talked about some time now that then there may well be older people in the system that are not happy in where they're working and would love to get on the tools, but because the particular companies that will actually take them on won't get any financial incentive because of their age, I think that is something also, from a personal point of view, that could be looked at to help us to recruit new people into our construction industry. Absolutely. So I think there's two parts to your question. The first part is, at the moment, um, CITB is is moving back from from acting as a as an apprenticeship provider, a, a managing agent is what it's called, and instead provides support to the construction industry through through grant funding for these apprentices. And it it actually spends a quite a lot of money on on that. I think it's about fifty two million something uh, in the region of that. What we're suggesting is that if that's what they're doing, that could actually be better done. Uh, through the apprenticeship service at the moment, because if you if you take on an apprentice, you have to register them and manage them through your apprenticeship account. Um, and you'll be aware that during the coronavirus crisis and, and actually currently, uh, the government is offering incentives to take on apprentices. And you do that through your apprenticeship account. And what we're saying is if they could do it then, then they could certainly do it with for the construction industry as well. And, and the levy would be used to pay for that, but it would be specifically for these construction apprentices. Uh, and that would just be a far more efficient way of doing it rather than having to have an apprenticeship account and applying for whatever incentive exists in in that regard and then going to the CITB and applying for a different one. You know, this is all detracts from the fundamental basis of what our members are uh, and the wider construction industry wants to do, which is to construct stuff. You know, we want people to to spend time on on building the future, not not on administering Um and then the second part of your question, I completely agree. Look, we need to be, 
we need to have a, a, a wider, we've tackled some issues in our report, that we need to have a wider debate about how we get those industry switches uh, and how we incentivize those and how we're creative about doing that. Because at the moment, we just do not have the people coming through to meet the, uh, the workforce demands that we have. We, as you, I think, uh, pointed out in the introduction, we have um, some aging uh, members of the workforce as well. But we need to be really creative, get those industry switches, give people another opportunity. And I was having a discussion with a, a, a main contractor yesterday who said, you know what, I think actually in years to come, the leaders of our industries, the leaders of our, our country will will look back and will say, actually, apprentices and apprenticeships were the way forward. It is absolutely a fantastic way to educate people. And so getting the policies right, as you as you point out, and making sure that that is a key route, and our members recognise that, which is why we want to protect it here, uh, is really important for the future. And just finally, um, what is the basis there? Because we, uh, by the sound of it, it's a root and branch thing, this. It's, it's almost like a total reform, which, you know... I'd never sit on a fence, but I think it's I think it's overdue. Um, but what is the basis of the idea, therefore, to keep a residual CITB in some form within your blueprint? Yeah, I think that's a that's a key challenge um, for us to answer. And and the answer is is that we've taken a level-headed approach at this. We've surveyed our our members, uh, or a, a group of our members led, led the authorship of this, and they talked very widely, and it's been ongoing, and. It would be wrong for us to say that everything that CITB does, we don't appreciate or recognise or value. And actually, the work it does as a sector skills council in ensuring the uh, qualifications and standards are are how they should be uh, and that they meet the needs of the entire sector, actually, we think they do a good job of that. They also do things like support the National Skills Academy for Construction uh, and the National Specialist Accredited Centre, and they have their suite of Site Safety Plus courses. All of that we actually think is is of value and does need to continue and does need to be protected. And that's why we're suggesting that a residual CITB that focuses pretty much only on that work, uh, there is a case for, because you can then hold them to account specifically for that work, work which we recognise and think is valuable. But on the other hand, instead of at the moment catching all and trying to do everything, we'll be able to challenge other organisations. Uh, okay, so if we if we achieve this, uh, we want to set up a con uh, we want the government to set up a new construction careers body. We'll be able to specifically hold that organisation uh, to account for that. So I think it would give that residual CITB focus. And then we've suggested some other changes in the paper whereby the CITB's status would change and there'd be an option to re-tender the organisation because it's the organisational uh, aspect of this that, that we struggle with, not what the CITB is trying to achieve. And I think it is important and our members have recognised that there is some work that we think really does add value and, and that's why we've suggested it. Well, certainly something needs to happen because the uh, the shortfall that we're going to have, say, by 2025, that they've predicted, will be an absolute blow to the whole construction system. So hopefully, James, uh, your blueprint will, will get passed and everything will run smoothly. Nothing ever does in this industry, of course. But we wish you all the best of luck. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on The Clive Holland Show. 
Thanks, Clive. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. That's James Butcher there, uh, the, the National Federation of Builders Head of Policy. Fix Radio, made for the trade. You're listening to Clive Follins on the Clive Follins Show on Fix Radio. And today I'm asking you this. The National Federation of Builders has called for a reconstruction of the Construction Industry Training Board, the CITB. And on the line right now, we got a superstar. we got a superstar. He's a superstar of uh, of of timber, but he's also a superstar of Fix Radio as well. Uh, his name is Robin Clevitt from The Carpentry Show. Uh, and if you've not heard him on that show yet, why not? It's every Monday uh, between 1 and 2 p.m. So please check it out. He's also got a big following as well. They're a splinter group. Uh, Robin Clevitt, how are you, sir? I'm absolutely fine, Clive. And I always say this, but um, I have to thank you because I took your gig. You were doing the carpentry show and a great job of it as well. So every time you give me such a great introduction, I am in your debt, as you know, mate. And one day I'll pay you back somehow, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, let's talk about... <laughs> Absolutely no need for that. Now, in terms of CITB, uh, what's your opinion on them? Okay, a little bit of background. I trained in 1986, and the CITB was the training organisation. So I had first-hand, as an apprentice, experience of the work they did, and I didn't know anything different, of course. I was just a school leaver, out of school, going to college. The CITB was just some organization who sent people to the college, made sure we did our work. We had to fill in folders and all sorts, and they were very active. Then over the years, I've had plenty of apprentices that I've trained, and we've had a couple of recessions. That sort of put a big spanner in the works, and then the apprentices sort of had less and less involvement with the CITB. But the CITB still wanted from me as an employer for me to fill in what they called a levy, the levy, if you had to pay it, was like a tax. I never had to pay it because it was for firms with bigger turnovers. You know, you could turn over millions and still not have to pay it. So it was fairly fair, but it was very bureaucratic in my opinion, and they did less and less and less. So this announcement that the NFB have said that it's not fit for purpose, I take my hats off to them because I personally think it's not fit for purpose either so in, in real terms then have you got any idea robin of of how it can be improved this system at the minute uh forget the levy at this stage because like you say you know if even multi-million pound businesses probably won't have to pay it but do you think that they held back the the, the good apprentices and, and probably even put some off uh, absolutely i think that the message that the citb has been uh, putting out there over the years, has been diluted and diluted. Their work has been diluted. Now, this is my personal opinion, but when COVID kicked off and I was sort of stuck into the office because we, we stopped all of our work, just like everyone else did for a little period of time, and I was working on my roofing square, and I thought this is a great opportunity for me to speak to the CITB from a personal perspective based on the fact we have history, saying, guys, how can you help me train all of these carpenters that don't get this kind of level of training in college, and yet they really need it. And I know that through my reach on social media. They were fairly keen and all the rest of it, but they had no way of helping me develop this part of the training. Totally uninterested. So it was quite a shock to be fair. They, they should have welcomed you with open arms, mate. Uh, without a doubt. But for some unknown reason, it sounds to me like they were like a closed shop. Uh, totally, totally wrong, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, Robin, always great to have you on the show, my good friend. Now, tell us a little bit, if you'd be so kind, about your show, 
um, the Carpentry Show and what you get up to on there when it goes out, etc. Well, it's on a Monday lunchtime at one o'clock and we talk everything from tools. We talk about uh, t- losing tools and theft. In fact, that's a big subject these days. We talk about materials, price increases, and we generally talk about the trade of carpentry and joinery and share our experiences. I have some really good guests coming on as well. And I really enjoy doing it. And it's thanks to you, Clive. Hey, mate, it's my pleasure. It's in, it's in very, very safe hands, as far as I'm concerned. Where are you today, mate? Anyway, what are you actually up to? I'm on the big build and I'm actually indoors doing some insulating. I'm cutting PIR and basically having a good time with the chaps. Well, they, well I am. They're not. i love it hey robin listen have a great rest of the day and thank you for sparing your time to come on the clive holland show it's a pleasure thank you too Uh, that's robin clovett there from the carpentry show of course Uh, a great carpenter in his own right and a very busy man the clive holland show on fix radio you're listening to clive holland on the clive holland show on fix radio and today uh I'm, i'm asking this the national federation of builders has called for a reconstruction of the Construction Industry Training Board, the CITB. Now, on the line right now, we've got somebody who's recently taken on an apprentice, and he's a good friend of the show. It's Nick Bundy, a.k.a. N. Bundy Electrical. Nick, how are you, my friend? Hello, mate. Yeah, no, not too bad. Nice uh, nice and rainy and stuff today, so uh, enjoying that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, you've recently taken on an apprentice. Um, How was that process when you thought to yourself, right, I'm taking an apprentice on... Was it a fairly simple thing, or was it something that was a bit more complicated than it should have been? Um, it, I'm sort of a bit different because I I had Adam, my apprentice, sort of working with me. Uh, he was doing a level two course at college, so not an apprenticeship, sort of similar situation that I did. And then he, uh, we said, no, we want to do an apprenticeship. Spoke to the college about it, and I would say it was fairly straightforward. They they were like, yeah, this is this, this is it. Um, and because obviously I was already he was already working with me, it was quite simple. But I'll be honest, they're not very there's not very much help, and I, I half the stuff that I didn't know I had to do. It wasn't like in black and white. If you take it on the apprentice, you need to get this insurance, you need to get this, you need to do that. It was pretty much figure it out for myself, to be honest. See, similar. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, when 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 I first started taking on apprentices was obviously when Noah had launched his boat. So it's a long time ago. So you just get um, <laughs> some young lad straight out of straight out of school, and you would bring them on board and tell them they're an apprentice, right? And so that's it. You're an apprentice. You're learning the ropes. You're in at the deep end, uh, and there was no real nobody really cared as long as they were getting paid. The parents were happy. The, they, the kids were usually happy. You know, now obviously it has to be more uh, stringent. I get that, and it has to have all the documentation going with it. Um, but, but that process you're saying, uh, as far as the documentation was going, is is it wasn't clear enough. Is that right? Yeah, I wouldn't think it was clear at all. It was, uh, oh, sign here, sign here, that's that. And then it was like, well, off you go. Like, I made sure that I got the contract sorted myself, um, all the insurances. I don't know, it just, I would have thought they would have walked you through it a little bit of clear key points of this is what you've got to do in this period of time with payroll and everything. I was so new to it. I ended up speaking to my accountant about it and a few friends that have employees to figure it out for myself because it wasn't, yeah, I expect them to be sit down to a, I'm a young guy. I had no idea what we were doing um, to explain the process, but it wasn't. It was really, oh, let's find him up and let's get him into college because um, they obviously get a good paycheck from the government or whatever, the more expenses they have. That was sort yeah. of the, the, the route. Because annoyingly as well, 
even though he'd done nearly an entire year of electrical installation level two at college, uh, we said he would be able to jump over straight onto the apprenticeship and carry on from it. And they, because um, obviously he's already done a year, and they said, no, 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 he has to go back to level one and had to literally redo the entire year of everything he's just done because the, uh, because the, the colleges get more money if they do it from day one. Oh, my goodness. That is a total and utter waste of time. Yeah, it really was. It was frustrating for me because he he was hating going to college because he already knew all this stuff. He was leaps and bounds above everybody, finished everything, ended up just sitting there and helping other guys out rather than, to me, if he's done the work that he's done for the day, he can go home or come to work with me, which he did several times. He'd leave college and just come drive to me. Um, and it was very frustrating. Even now, he's so far ahead of everyone. It's, he really, really, really doesn't like going to college because it's just he just says it's a waste of time. Um, but I said to him, there's things that they can teach you that I can't, so you have to go. And he goes anyway. It's just there's no enjoyment with it for him whatsoever, which is a shame because I quite like, I didn't do an apprenticeship, but I enjoyed the college atmosphere and what we were doing. But um, I don't know, they don't seem to be, they just seem to be ticking boxes uh, and extending the course out for too long rather than, you know, if they condensed it down and did what they needed to do, it did two days a week, he could do it in a year and a half rather than three and a half years and one day a week. It, it just seems, and it's, it's, it's down for him as well because, He's stuck on an apprentice's wage until he becomes qualified. So he knows for the next three years he will get an apprentice wage. Obviously, I pay him a bit more than what, what normal people do. And I could pay him more, but it all boils down to if I can't leave him on site by himself. He can't sign work off. He can't go and do his own thing. So he's only worth so much as an apprentice, if you know what I mean. But yeah. he knows once he's qualified, he could earn more money. He got more enjoyment out of it. Um I don't know. I just think it's it's a it's a very long process. Well, that needs addressing. I tell you what, you've you've opened my eyes there, Nick. The fact that he's had to go back and do a year that he'd already covered, all because yeah. somebody gets their palm crossed with silver, which which is just fundamentally bang wrong. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it could have been the difference between him actually carrying on with it or not. Yeah, it's just nuts, honestly, mate. I, I just nuts that is. Uh, anyway, listen, Nick. I usually ask you what you're up to today uh, and where you are. You've told <laughs> us where you are in rainy Staffordshire, uh, but what's your apprentice up to today? What is he doing? Uh, we've got to run a ten mil uh, twin cable for a, a cooker that could, is going in next year. So he just pulled up because obviously I've still got on and off of the bag back. So he's lifted everything for me. Yeah. But um, it should be a nice steady day. We've got to do this. Uh, test the house and uh, probably call it an early day to be honest especially if he's lifting a drum of 10 mil twin and earth as well um, yeah 100 metre drum I didn't realise how heavy it was until I bought oh mate a 100 metre drum I used to buy yeah. 50 metre drums but 100 metres that's heavy uh, a nice one that's Nick Bundy there aka N Bundy Electrical interesting story that about his apprentice Fix Radio Bish Bash Bosh you're listening to Clive Holland on the Clive Holland Show Fix Radio and today I'm asking you this which trade goes home early who's got the easiest gig now we have got royalty on the line right now and a plasterer who we can ask if he enjoys skimming a few hours off here and there it's our very own and, of course, from DIY SOS as well, Chris Frediani from The Plastering Show every Friday here on Fix Radio from 1 o'clock. Christoph, how are you, baby? I'm very well, Clive. Thanks for having us back on the show. Yeah, we're all fine and dandy and actually on the tools today. So, yeah, live, live in the dream. Live in the dream. So, from your, from your personal experience then of trades... 
Who likes to slink slink off a bit early? Do you know what, right? And I know it's a crossover between classes. It's got to be Sparky. It's got. I've been. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I'm thinking toilets. You know, they can just stop and walk out the door. A chippy. He's chipping away. You know, you know, unplugs the chop saw, and he can walk out. And I was thinking, it's got to be Sparky. Because they're running cables. And if it's five o'clock or three o'clock or half past two, they literally can stop what they're doing and just walk off site. So I'm sorry to say it, Sparky, but yeah, it's you boys. You have got the easiest job on the site. Love it. Love it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. Brilliant, that is. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I'll I'll you, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be honestly, I'm thinking, right, a brick layer, a block layer, they have much. They have, they, you like to think. They use it up before they go home. Plasters, yeah. once you're committed to your mix, you're committed. You've got to go with it. Painters, 60-meter ceiling. They can't stop halfway through and walk away from it. Plumbers, they might be, you know, they might have to keep it live at the end of the day. So they've got to get to the end of the run. But Sparky's, every time I think about it, guys, <laughs> it's coming back to electricity. Honestly, <laughs> every time you turn to find out where the Sparky is, he's gone or he's in the back he's of the gone. van. <laughs> yeah, go on and pick the materials up. Yeah, go on and pick the materials up for tomorrow. You know, why? Yeah, why you price the job? Get it on the van on the Saturday morning for the week. I don't know, but yeah, I love it's it. It's got to be Sparky's in, in, I love in it. my eyes. Yeah, Sparky's right. take the beast in from Chris Frediani. Uh, now then, uh, also DIY SOS, we can't let it go away. You've you've been uh, doing a gig. Uh, recently that will air very shortly. How did that go? Yes, it went very well. Yeah, we, we were very lucky to find an outside project up in Bristol. Uh, it went very well, a little bit tight on labour, a little bit tight on materials, but that's not to be, you know, that's that's the current sort of climate we're in. But it went very well. The reveal, I'm not going to spoil it, but when they opened the gates and said to the children, there's a play park in there, it was amazing. It really was. So that was a great one. Um, they're making noises about one in January, one in February, one in March. So that's next year kicking off to a good start with John YSOS. So, yeah, just, you know, like I say to everyone, we will come to your area, wait until we're near, and please volunteer, jump on board, and uh, and, and experience, you know, the feel-good facts about, you know, DIYSOS. It really is. It really is about communities helping communities. Indeed, I've been asked a lot about it lately as well, and uh, and I've said if anybody wants to get on there, I'm sure there's uh, you know the the be on the show page on the BBC etc. Uh, listen, there mate, is, always yeah. always great talking to you. Um, where you, you say you're on the tools today? Where are you? Do you know what, Carl? I've got a full circle. I'm back in the town I grew up in, Ashburton, a little stannery town yeah, just between Exeter and Plymouth. Yeah, you know it. And no. I'm with Lenny, one of the lads that works for me. Now, I'm not making this up. We went to primary school together at five. We walked in the gate of the primary school. We can see it from this house we're working in today. And, we, and we're now 51. I've known Lenny for 46 years. Can you believe that? And we're here working wow. together. It, it, yeah, honestly, we, 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 we went through everything from 11 to 13. I'm not going to say what it was. 16, 18, 21. We've travelled the journey of life together, and uh, here we are, two old spreads, looking out this window going, do you remember when we went and nicked the apples from that tree and that bloke chased us? Just <laughs> We're reminiscing about the old old days back in Ashburton. So, yeah, I'm loving it. I'm helping Lenny this morning. Um, I've got my show later on to sort of uh, get ready for Friday. So, yeah, 
absolutely loving it. Back in Ashburton, guys. Thank well, you. well, Lenny's Lenny's got to be one of your guests, surely, uh, so you can reminisce. Uh, Freddie, listen, brilliant oh, talking yeah. to you, mate. Uh, good luck with everything going and forward, you. and uh, we'll speak again soon. Thank you, Clive, as always, my friend. You take care, and uh, great show, by the way. Loving it. Thank you, mate. That's that's appreciated. That's the brilliant Chris Frediani there. You can catch him every Friday, 1 o'clock on The Plastery Show. Don't miss it. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Good friend of the show coming on right now. It's Dave Byrne, a.k.a. Dave the Carpenter. Dave, is it carpenters who actually do go against the grains of time and clear off early? Are you off your box? <laughs> Get back on your soapbox, because it ain't carpenters. I tell okay. you. So, yeah. It ain't carpenters. Every, every trade, every trade gets it easy apart from chippies. I'm telling you. You can go and learn, you can go and learn sparky and plumbing at night at college. That's easy. If you can build walls out of Lego bricks, there's your bricky. You know, it, there's, there's nothing easy about being a chippy. And we definitely don't go home early. And if we do go home early, what are we going home early for? Price stuff. Carpenters. <laughs> carpenters. Therefore, certainly do not go home early, according to Dave. <laughs> so, Dave, you're going to have to pick one out, though, before you go. You're going to have to pick one trade out. The way you turn around, you go, where are they gone? It's a, it's, it's a toss-up. It's a toss-up between painters and brickies. Painters and brickies. So, painters and yeah. brickies, it's time to fight back. The thing with brickies is, it, it's a drop of rain. They're in the back. Even just one tiny... I mean, you could stand there and literally get a little droplet thing and drop it above the scaffolding where they're working. That's it, in the van home. Yeah, they've got the weather apps on the phone now as well. Yeah, they always say raining. And even though it's not raining, if, if it tells him it's raining, he's in the van. That's it. <laughs> There's a 0.5% chance of rain not working today. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Dave, as ever, top dollar you are. Uh, tell us where you are today. Tell us where you are today and what you're up to. <laughs> I'm actually at home. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, I'm at home. I'm, I'm working at home. Um, um, we're, we're going through a period of isolation. Um, one of the kids oh. has got COVID, and uh, he's all right, like, but he's. Um, I can't be in class thousands. I'm currently building a, a media unit at home for the client, not for home. Yeah. So I am working, uh, but I, I do get to go home whenever I want. I literally walk through the door. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, listen, uh, I hope that all clears up very soon anyway and you can get back out amongst us all. Uh, but it's always great to have you on the show, son. Enjoy the rest of the day. And yourself. <laughs> That's Dave Burner, a.k.a. Dave's the Carpenter. I'm going to climb back on my box. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. On the line right now, we have good friend of the show, James Norton, new daddy as well, a.k.a. at James Norton. James, spill the beans. Who is it who slips off too soon? Clive, how are you? I'm good, man. <laughs> oh, good. Who slips off early? For me, I'm a bricklayer. I know there are some lazy, lazy bricklayers out there. They love an early finish, especially on a Friday. But I'll tell you what, if I want a bricklayer, uh, I'm probably only skilled enough to be a painter. And if I want a painter, I would hate my life that much. But I'd be going home early as well. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love it. Absolutely straight to the point. Uh, James, where are you today? What are you up to? Today we're in a small village called Rainton and we're building some top out. The joiners have got the trusses on ready for us, so we're just filling them in before the roofers take it from us. Good lad. Now, just before, briefly before you go, you've just had a newborn. 
uh, spill the beans on that name? I have, mate. I've got a little boy called Oakley. So he's only three weeks old, but I'm just trying to get him to grips with holding a little pointing trowel, and then we're going to work his way up from there. Good lad. Yeah, train him young. Well played, mate. We need him. We're going to need him. That's for sure. We're going uh, to. Anyway, anyway, for another day. Uh, anyway, congratulations, mate, from all of us here at Fix Radio. Uh, and thank you for being on the Clive Follett Show once again. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you, Clive. See you, James. That's James Norton there, a.k.a. at James Norton. Fix Radio. Bish, bash, bosh. We have the top man himself on the line right now uh, from the painting and decorating show every Tuesday on Fix Radio, by the way, from one o'clock. It's Mr... Joe Bartle. How are you, son? I'm very well. How are you, Mr. Holland? I'm very good, son. Very good. Now then, okay, so is it decorators? Do they like a nice silky slip-off? Or is it somebody else? Well, they defend everyone, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, why not? <laughs> well, you know, lots of people, they're going to claim it's the painters and decorators. You know, they've the, got the easiest trade because there's that old saying, which isn't true, by the way. If you can pee, you can paint. But, you know, it's, it's the painters. We're, we're the last ones on site. We're the ones there to pick up the pieces if there's any poor workmanship left behind. Because, I mean, and every trade has its bad apples, to be fair, you know. so I mean, to be fair, painters and decorators uh, are artists in my book. I've told you this before. Plus, their work is usually hanging on the walls or the ceilings, right? Uh, the doors, etc. So everybody can spot their work. So you just using that analogy, if you can pee, you can paint, is total and utter tosh. Uh, mate, it, so so you would pick out one in particular, would you? Uh, any other trade that might you turn around and you go, where's he gone? Well, I think if we're going to go through from the uh, slackers to the ones that go home early and the, the ones that have it easy, let's, let's start off with the slackers. And I, I'm going to have to give this one to the chippies because the chippies that don't own a nail punch they're the ones that really grind my gears so there's nothing better when you're prepping brand new skirt, like skirting balls and architraves and they've been left with like a hundred nail heads protruding out you know it's, uh, using a nail gun is well and good but they can't muster up the energy to give them nails a bit of a lick with a hammer and let them sink in they just leave that to the decorators um, the, the plasters I think they're the ones that, they're definitely the ones they're trying to get home early I mean because some of the jobs I've been on recently, the ceilings have been skimmed so badly, so rough, and so bumpy. I've actually spotted spiders crawling over it, and they've been wearing harnesses. That's how bad it is. <laughs> <laughs> so they must be they must be rushing for an early finish because if they're taking their time on some of their jobs, I, I don't know, mate. There's, there's no way. But the easiest, the easiest job. I've got to give it to the Sparkies, I'm afraid. It's got to be the Sparkies because, you know, to be fair, I know there's the technical stuff, but come on, let's be honest. They're earning far too much money for plonking a light on the ceiling within 10 minutes, and then they've got the cheek to leave any mess behind created by them for someone else to clear up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love it. I can just see the steam coming out of the ears of the plasterers, the Sparkies. <laughs> I'm loving it, Joel. Uh, Joel, before you go, son... Uh, Tell us, first of all, a little bit about your show every Tuesday. I will do, mate. But I, I've got to say, first things first, because I've got to say, because some of the stereotypes we've been using, some, it's just true. Some of them are just true, because the Sparkies don't own a dustpan and brush. The plumbers love 
flaunting their butt cracks and leopard skin bombs while they're working. And I have just opened my fifth can of third this morning. You know, I'm, like, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I have seen one or two sparks in the dust on the brush. <laughs> yeah, one, one or two. Yeah, not many. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so, yeah, the, the show, the paint decorated show, it goes out every Tuesday at 1 p.m. We have a guest join us from the, uh, from the trade just to talk about all things painting decorated. But also, we have the podcast as well, and the podcast is released straight after. So, if you can't catch it during the day, you've always got the podcast to pull back on as well. And, and it's an ace show by an ace painter, that's for sure. Uh, Joel. Thank you so much for being on the Clive Holland Show. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll speak again soon, hopefully. Nice one, big man. Thank you, That's Joel Bardle there from the Painting and Decorating Show. Don't miss it. Every Tuesday from 1 o'clock, it is absolutely tough. The Clive Holland Show on Fix Radio. And on the line right now, we've got good friend of the show, Bradley Jones, a.k.a. the London or London Electrician. Uh, Bradley, I've got to tell you, first of all, electricians are taking a beast in today. Why is that? Clive, do you know why that is, mate? It's because, you know, the thing is, the time we've left at 12 o'clock, we've already charged £800 for a few for change. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's no wonder we're leaving early. I love it. I love it. There's steam coming out of other trades here rolls now. You realise that, don't you? Uh, <laughs> now, the one thing they have levelled at you is that nobody carries, in the, elect- in the electrician's world, nobody carries a broom or, or a pan. Uh, is that true? Clive, first of all, mate, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to get a dictionary out, mate, and have a look what, what broom means. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, mate, I really can't help you with that because I've never heard of that before, mate. So, I, you know, I, I don't know really, to be honest. Usually, I just, usually I just draw the spotlights out and just leave them there. It's just easier. <laughs> Yeah, now you see, now you see, you're really going for it because I know earlier on when we had a chat with you, you were actually doing what? Um, cleaning up, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> he was people. He was cleaning up, right? So cleaning up. I had, I had all the kit, Clive. I had the gloves. I had the I had the wonder wipe. I had the broom. I had the towels. I had the blue roller. I had it all, mate. Everything. So you've blown that theory out of the wall. Uh, sorry, <laughs> blown, blown it out, out of the building. Uh, now <laughs> I have to say this, right? Uh, because everybody's been having a go at electric. Well, I don't say everybody, but they have been taking a hammer in. Um, who do you think is the one that, when you turn around, you go, "Where are they gone?" Do you know what it is? The, the, the thing for me, Clive, is, is, is when the painter says, oh, "I've had a really hard day today." All he needed was a paintbrush to do his job. <laughs> he, he didn't need anything else apart from a paintbrush. And he's got the audacity to turn around and go, do you know what, I've had an hard day today. Love it. So, he's taking the mickey, isn't he? <laughs> so, Bradley, you're throwing the painters under the bus. I'm loving that. Uh, mate, uh, just tell us, and, and I, know you've been, I know you've been tidying up, so you must have come to the end of your job today, so you're going off for your lobster. Um, where are you today? What are you up to? <laughs> Uh, we, we, the first job is in Dagenham, Clive. We, we had to, um, fellas got a leak from the flat upstairs, so all the, all the lights have all blown up. So we've had to put a couple, couple of temporary ones in for him. Second job, we're just going to go upgrade some lighting in an office now in Buckers Hill. So, uh, nice, nice, hard, hard day's grab, son. Oh, days grab. Uh, listen to me, it's always great having you on the show. We really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, enjoy the rest of the day, son. 
Face life, dot man, mate. Take care. <laughs> That's Bradley Jones, there, aka London Electrician. I can sense it. I can sense people tearing hair out. Clive Holland on Fix Radio. Thank you so very much for listening to my podcast. It means the world to me, you know. I hope you enjoyed it and picked up some excellent info from my brilliant guests and fellow colleagues of our industry. Remember, you can listen to me Monday through Thursday, two till four pm on DAB in London and Manchester via the Fix Radio app and at fixradio.co.uk. Oh yeah, ask your smart speaker to play Fix Radio. And come join the fun all day, every day. Well, that's it from me for now. If I don't see you through the week, I'll see you through the hole in my knee pad. ta The Clive Holland Show with Tradeify, the job management software to help get your business on track. Make a life, not just a living. Try the free 14-day trial. Download the Tradeify app today. Fix. Right.